We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the Tweet Machine. You can follow me at Mike Dugar. That is M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R. Chris, talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at C-K-I-D-D-206. And that's C-Kidd-206. This is our first a full-on mailbag episode or Twitter questions, however you want to do it. The mailbag thing is kind of weird because like, I don't even check my mail. Uh, but I do check my DMs and my mentions, and that's where we got a lot of great questions uh, from you guys. There's a lot going on in the offseason. Got the Stafford trade that just happened. Uh, you're probably going to get some other movement. The cap is like has dropped, so it's, it's a lot less than previous years. So you got a lot of teams who need to dump players and don't have a lot of money to get better. Um, just a lot, a lot going on. You know, the new offensive coordinator who got introduced to us uh, on Tuesday and said a bunch of nothing for 30 minutes, but it was all right. Um, but for the last two days, I've been taking questions uh, from you guys uh, about the show, about the offseason, about how the Seahawks can get better, yada, yada, yada. And Chris, let's dive in because, as usual, because of the listeners, we have a lot of great questions. We appreciate everything that was submitted. Without further ado, let's dive in. Ryan Turner. Happens to be the first question we have, and he wants to know what two free agents should the Hawks target? Keep killing it. Appreciate the love, Ryan. Yeah, no, that figures. Yeah, start with show with Ryan. Ryan's always asking good questions. Uh, appreciate you. So I'm I'm gonna focus on. So actually, let's talk about money for a second here because we're gonna talk about the cap and acquiring players. A lot of free agent questions. The cap right now, I think, is projected to be somewhere around like 176 million. This is, I think, after it was like 198 uh, last year. So that's gonna be a drop. I believe there's going to be some type of negotiation that it might be somewhere around like 180 um, at max. Most of the people I've talked to figure it won't rise close to that 200 number. And so overthecap.com, which does a good job of tracking all this stuff, along with SpotTrack, uh, which I believe is a partner of The Athletic, uh, they do a good job as well. I think both of them have the Seahawks plan with around $3 million in space uh, with a projection of 176. So even if it goes up to 180, just you know, add a few million. Uh, onto that, obviously. So, long story short, the Seahawks aren't working with a lot of money. 
So any person that I suggest or probably that Chris suggests like, oh, Seahawks should look at this guy. It's not that that's the best person. It's the best person within the budget. You know, you guys have all went grocery shopping, got your Seahawks are in there. They're in Costco with coupons. Like a place that's already discounted, and they're in there we're trying to get another discount. And a lot of teams are going to be like that. But that that will kind of explain why it's not like, oh, go get the obvious guy atop the list. Well, they can't afford that dude. A lot of people probably can't afford that dude. So that's why the Seahawks won't be in the running. So in terms of two guys that I could see Seahawks kind of going after, I like I like the defensive side of the ball, plugging some holes there. And I've thought about this question for a couple of days, but or at least whenever it came in, I think I'm a little biased right now because I just recently Chris watched the uh, roundtable with Cliff Averill, Michael Bennett, Bruce Irvin, and uh, Jermaine Curse. They were talking about the Super Bowl, and I think one of the things Cliff, who was moderating the panel, he asked Bruce Irvin, like, hey, man, what was the biggest difference between that 2012 team and 2013 team? Like, Because in 2012, they thought they were just like them dudes, right? They thought they were going to win it all. In 2013, they obviously did. And so Cliff's like, all right, what was the difference? And Bruce, acknowledging the other guys on the panel, was like, well, the biggest difference was Mike B and Cliff Averill. And I'm sure he said that because they were there. But he's also said it because, you know, there's a lot of truth to that. Like, he felt like those guys were the missing pieces. And when you look at how just disgustingly good their defense was and how impactful those two dudes were by the end of the year, uh, I don't think either of them were starters, but they were just so great. So, so great. It does feel like if you can plug some holes and just get real nasty and get depth on defense. Because you need depth, because you're going to suffer injuries on defense, as the Seahawks well know. Got to get that depth. So I like I like taking flyers on some guys who are going to be cheap but have some have some options. Like we were looking at a list earlier today, Chris, and I was like, ooh, I, I like the idea of someone like Melvin Ingram. And we looked and it was like, well, he was hurt like hell. Didn't play uh, all, all last year. Uh, he played a little bit, but just one of them injury. It was one of them years where you're just not. It was like KJ's 2018 year, like Quentin Dunbar's 2020. It was just one of them years. You you just don't you just don't got it right. And it looked like Mike, man, all this and you want someone like that. It's like, well, look, he'll be for the low. Anybody paying for Melvin Ingram? A healthy Melvin Ingram probably get with you what you need because right now they just need depth up front. They need to be like, I want like four pass rushers from the Seahawks. All edge guys who can win one-on-one consistently. And I think that when you've got guys like Jamal Adams helping out too, and you got guys like Puna and Jay Reed pushing the interior, if you got edge dudes who just got a, a little rotation of killers out there, like in 2021, if you're bringing out someone like Melvin or even, hell, I wouldn't even be opposed to bringing Clowney back, to be honest, for the low, right? Because you got guys like that. So you got you bring in someone like that. Cool. And then let's say you have, well, they're going to have Daryl Taylor next year and Alton Robinson, um, and you bring back Benson. All right, am I missing anybody? So got LJ. So, like, that's that's probably, like, a good four, five-ish of run of, like, all right, cool. We got dudes, at least from those first four, like with Benson, Dunlap, you bring in an outside guy, and who and even, like, someone like Alton Robinson was like, look, we can get we can get home no matter who's on the field. I like that. Um, it's gonna have to be someone cheap like that that you're gonna take take a gamble on. It's almost like a lower risk, um, Greg Olson or something like that. Where if you you got them for the cheap because there's the, they were basically what's the thing you know you go to the store and it's already open like the open box special. <laughs> you get one of those. Like you're getting a refurbished phone here. That's just kind of what it's gonna have to be. But if you can get some good production out of it, you know it can work. And injury history is tricky. I try to remind people of this. 
just because a dude was hurt doesn't mean he's going to continue to be hurt. And just because he was healthy doesn't mean he's going to not get hurt. Because I think Bruce Irvin, what, had never had a major injury uh, before? Two games in, ACL, right? Rashad Penny was healthy his whole college career. Gets to the league, keeps getting hurt. Right? That's just kind of how things go. Then you do have the CJ Pro sizes of the world who were like, the injuries do just start to pile up. And then you guys, you have some who's like, it's a freak accident, you know? Guys like Earl Thomas. He's just broken bones every once in a while, and he's been fine. Um, so I like I like staying on defense there, and I'm going to go with another vet at a spot where they haven't had a lot of luck bringing dudes in. And say Xavier Rhodes. Um, I think the Colts will bring him back, sure. I should preface it with that. Um, same thing with Michael Davis at the Chargers at corner. But if you can just plug some holes there where it just feels like, look, we got a good little base, but we can fill it in with some aging veterans that we can get for the low – because all these aging vets are going to have to be for the low. There's not gonna, you're not going to see a lot of the dudes in the middle taking big deals because teams just aren't going to have the cash. There's going to be no middle class in 2021. There's going to be a bunch of elite dudes like Bobbies and Russes and Dwayne Browns and just guys who are really hype on the payroll. There's going to be a bunch of DKs, mm. guys who are playing a lot, doing a lot, and making nothing. That it, the league was already kind of trending that way for years, and that's you know the CBA. They're trying to do something about that, and Bruce really can't. It's even gonna get worse now that the no teams just don't have no money right now. How how pissed do you think people are? My two names, Chris. I don't right think now? I don't think they'd be upset. I mean, if they you can pull up some clips on YouTube and check out his footage and see what you think, especially Melvin Gordon two years ago, he was one of the best pass rushers in the league. He just unfortunately injury bug got to him. I'm not mad at it. It's, they're going to be a little older on D, but I think the depth will be there. Like these guys, other than obviously you would need Xavier to play a lot of snaps, but like on the up front, I'm cool with taking guys and just get a rotation going. You don't need someone to play 65% of the snaps as a defensive end. If you're, if you're around the 40 to 48 ish range, that's where you're fresh in the fourth quarter, you're bringing the heat and you just got a rotation going. You mix the old guys with the young guys. You know, you got a bunch of vet men guys who you're probably going to have. And then you got Daryl Taylor's. I forgot about Daryl Taylor. No, you said his name. I, did, I said Daryl you Taylor. Said, oh, okay. you, you, were, you were freaking out. Like, did I say his name? Yeah, you, I knew you I was, said it. somebody. Like, they got the young dudes. Um, so I, I think that's that's probably where I would go on defense. On offense, I don't know. But yeah, that, I, I would say on defense, it's like, all right, who's two guys? On top of like, maybe Sherm. I'm with you on the DB. I would actually go with Rams cornerback Troy Hill. I oh, think he I think could be expensive, man. I don't know. He might not be. I don't think so. He how, might. How old is he? I think he's 27. Ooh, prime. But I think he'd be a guy that the Seahawks can go out and throw something at him. He might bite, might take the bait. Talented corner who had a pretty good year this season, actually, if you look yeah, at it. Yeah, a really good year, yeah. And I think that would just – I mean, it would be crazy for him to come to the Seahawks, I guess, you know, a division rival. But the opportunity is definitely there. And then another receiver – or not another receiver, a receiver I think they can go out and look at is Curtis Samuel. He had a pretty damn good year as well. Don't know how expensive he would be. I think he probably, you know, maybe $10 million guaranteed, depending on the team he goes to. Oof. Yeah, see, they don't have that kind of cash. So that's going to have to make some moves. But that's ideally who I think they should try and target, especially for that third wide receiver spot. I mean, Curtis Samuel, DK, and Tyra Lockett. So that's here's disgusting. That, uh, I, I like that name, too. It, weird, Carolina's passing game was not like – it didn't feel like it was bad. But they clearly needed an upgrade at quarterback. Like quarterback <laughs> that was throws, the issue, probably. Quarterback throws with a glove on. That's just <laughs> not good. Here's the other thing, though, about some of these, like them not having cash. Everything doesn't have to be a one-year deal, too. Like, keep that in mind. Teams are going to get creative. What they're probably going to do is anticipate the cap going from, like, because it was going up, like, $10 million a year, I think, yep. for, like, seven years straight or something. So if it was going to go up to, like, 200 or something, and the next year go, like, to 210, 
maybe I think they anticipate it going from 176 or 77 up back in the twos, like 215 or something like that. So we get a big jump. So what you do is you sign guys to two-year deals, uh, push the money back a little bit to keep your 2021 hit low. And then once you kind of get back on track with get fans back in the stadiums and things like that, um, you recoup. And then there's going to be some TV money deals getting reset. Uh, that'll help to cap too. So I can see some teams doing that as well. So everything doesn't have to be bargain shopping. Um, but I think a great deal of it, especially with a team like Seattle that's already bargain shopping, they're going to be bargain shopping times two. You ever watch them shows, Chris, where the people are like super coup- couponers? Yeah, like, they have a basket and they're just, is that what you're talking about? Like I've seen, I think like this one lady I watched uh, do the coupon thing. There's like a name for it. Someone's probably saying it in their head right now. I wish we could hear them. Uh, it's She used so many coupons that like she bought like a thousand dollars worth of stuff and it was only five dollars because she had coupons she had that many coupons it was ridiculous That's disgusting i forget what that is like, i think it was like maybe like my strange addiction things or something like i don't know it was i, I was not in control of the remote at the time i thought you were talking about an actual tv show because i've seen tv shows where they go shopping with a certain amount of money and they have to use coupons to get out of there and that girl that woman that you just mentioned probably would have won with five dollars with a thousand dollars worth it of was purchases. something like that maybe yeah was she like a thousand dollars worth of groceries for her crib or something like that and it was like 60 bucks because Damn, of all the Who is she feeding? The village? I don't I, I got to go back and find the episode. But yes, <laughs> that's what the Seahawks are going to be. They're going to be the lady with the with the uh, the full grocery cart and a bunch of uh coupons. All right. Next one we have from headlines at Decalin season. Give us percentage likelihoods these folks are back next season. Chris Carson, Shaquille Griffin and David Moore. This feels like a gambling question with percentages. Uh but cuz you could also interpret that as odds. So, I would say let's start with Chris Carson. I would put that one pretty low. I would put that one around like 15, mm. about 15%. I say that because I think Chris thinks highly of himself as a running back, as he should. Like, you guys got to remember, you got to put yourself in the heads of some of these guys. Like, what you think they're worth and what they think they're worth is not the same a lot of the time, unless it's like Russell Wilson or Bobby Wagner or whatever. Like, Chris, looks, look at the guys who Chris considers his peers. Look at his draft class. Guys like Aaron Jones, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, Christian McCaffrey. Like, he sees himself with these guys. Like, I, Chris said earlier this year, like, I deserve to be in the top five conversation, top ten, whatever. He de- wants to be there. And that's perfectly fine for Chris to want that. It is also perfectly fine for the Seahawks to disagree and, and probably lowball him. Like, that's just probably how it's going to go. So I don't—and then— I think it, the discussions are just going to be in a place where the two sides just don't want to come back again. That happens a lot where it's like it started off good. Um, I, th- I think the the opposite of it is we like I think Jermaine Curse tested the market once, saw that he wasn't worth what he thought and came back. I don't think it works like that. I think it's one of those like clowny where it's like I think I'm worth more. Oh, damn, I'm not. Well, st- I still ain't coming back to y'all. All right. So I, th- I put that real low. The only way I could see that working now is if. Chris really wants to do the Seahawks a solid. But for a dude who is playing for his family and whose family crib burnt down and he's destined to buy his mom a house, like, I just don't see that. I don't see that happening. In terms of him, like, saying, oh, let me take this discount. Because his numbers were still, like, good in some areas. I think, like, his agent tweeted out, like, he had career highs and some uh, matches touchdown total from last year, career high in receptions, receiving yards, something like that. So he's... And he was really efficient this year, too, like top five and like EPA or something. So I a, t- a total EPA. So, yeah, Chris, I don't see him coming back. Shaquille, I think it's even lower. Uh, I think that one is probably like 10%. Um, I think the same thing. 
Look at this guy considers his peers. Look at some of Shaq's numbers, too, um, just in terms of how he stacks up with some other guys, whether it's, you're talking about passer rating when targeted, you're talking about PFF grades, you're talking about uh, pass deflections. Like, he has numbers that stack up with dude people consider good. Like, I was crunching some Shaq numbers the other day, for example. Um, he took a dip one of those years, but I think it was 2018. But, like, even this year where he took another dip, like, his numbers basically look like Marshawn Lattimore's. Which is like, you wouldn't think that. Like, oh, Marshawn Lattimore, Shaquille Griffin. Well, nope. Yeah, that's the case. And I guarantee you, Shaq's people look at it the same way. So that's someone who's going to price themselves right out of here. And then you look at the other corners on the market, too. Like, look at the, like, I think PFF's top corners on the market are like Shaq, Sherm, Patrick Peterson, William Jackson, and then a slot dude. I think the, who's Pittsburgh slot dude? Mike Hilton, maybe? It's like a slot dude like that. So basically the only outside corners that they're talking about are guys like William Jackson and Shaq who are actually in a prime age range. Come on now. That's going to be too expensive here. The only other option, the reason I'm giving it 10% is because of the franchise tag. Mm. They could tag Shaq and try to keep him that way for a year. But even then it's at like $14 million. And your last one, David Moore? Uh, I think this is probably back when the Chris Carson ran for like 15 20 percent maybe um david deserves to try to go test that market he's a seventh round pick dude he's been really he's been really efficient in his career he's made a lot of big plays they keep trying to replace him with other dudes like brandon marshall and antonio brown and josh gordon um, they keep trying to bring in other number threes and david's just like i'm here you know and tries to make it work so uh, but he deserves to also try to go hit the market and see what he can get uh, as well, I wouldn't be surprised if someone, you know, gives him like a similar like to what Mike Davis got from the Bears. I was like, we can use you better than Seattle was using you. I don't know who that team would be. I have to go look around. But like even like a team like Green Bay could use like David Moore, um, I think. So I think the the only other thing would be if he comes, if he goes out there, tests the market, and he's like, oh, this is disrespectful. Y'all think I'm a scrub and then comes back because he wants to play with Russell Wilson. Because I'm pretty sure chemistry with the quarterback matters a lot to receivers as well and he's going to want to play with someone who's good if he's not going to just going to chase the money if i was him i'd chase the money but i could see him coming back for something real low like he played on this year only if he's like i don't want to chase the money because he should scott nelson longtime listener did you guys think the offense was too predictable were there will their new offensive coordinator and shane waldron be better and less predictable yeah, this goes to that uh, DK Metcalf thing that he said, like, teams figured us out. I do think they were too—clearly uh, they were too predictable. It's not even, like, whether I think that. It, they just were. Like, even DK was like, yeah, teams figured us out. Um, that was on the I Am Athlete podcast. Um, I do think that what, what really hurt the Seahawks, and I think we talked about this at Ben Baldwin, the sequencing was not great. Playing the Rams that many—the Rams for sure figured them out. Like, I don't think the other teams necessarily figured them out. Like, I don't think the Washington football team did. Um, who else did they play? Like, Philly clearly didn't. Right. Like they didn't figure the Seahawks out in that way. Um, the Rams really did a lot of the damage and then it just kind of threw them out of whack a little bit. Buffalo kind of had their number um, and Arizona did a good job um, in that regard, too. Um, but I do think. I do think what Shane Waldron has working for him is that there's nothing you can look at to try to scout them. Like there's no tape of him ever being a coordinator. So you can't like he's coming in brand new teams like because you try to take tendencies you know like if you're Chris you're the defensive coordinator and I'm the offensive coordinator you're gonna go back and look at all the times I've ran an offense figure out what I like to do what's with concepts and schemes and all that and try to figure it out 
What the hell are they going to look at with Shane Waldron? What are they going to look at? Nothing. So he has the element of surprise coming in, so that helps. But then what prevents him? This is my fear for the Seahawks in 2021, is that they come out of the gate hot again because they're just the element of surprise. And then in the back half of their schedule, when they're playing the NFC West teams twice and there's a bunch of film out, are they getting exposed again? Because this guy's never called plays before. Most important free agent on both sides of the ball we need to keep. And best free agent out there, the Seahawks should go and sign. Hmm. What was the back part of that? Best free agent the Seahawks should go out and sign. Oh, boy. I don't know about the best that they can probably afford. You know who I'd really like? I mean, I re- I'm still on the Sherm reunion part of this. Like, I really would like to see Sherm just back uh, here. It'd be like a. I, I like the story aspect of that. Maybe I'm I'm, I'm selfishly uh, thinking about that. Uh, there was another good name. Who was the receiver? I suggested that would be fun. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I said yeah, he said T.Y. Hilton. Oh, Will Fuller. Will, yeah. Man, because like you said, he don't stay healthy. But this year he was healthy and balling, and then he was on the juice, so it was a problem. Allegedly, actually, no, he got suspended. Yeah, no, allegedly, he got, yeah, he got suspended. <laughs> well, you never know what it is, but that's the truth. You PEDs don't know what it is. Always the juice to me. If I hear PEDs, I'm gonna say you're on the juice, right? Like that's just kind of what it is. That would be, oh man, that would be a fun one. Uh, let's see, what was the front half of that? Most important free agent on both sides of the ball, Seahawks should keep. Uh. I like on offense. On offense, I think I would go with Ethan Posick just because I don't think you're ever going to really pay for a center, especially after last year that debacle with BJ Finney. Like, it didn't work. That, yeah. <laughs> like, I think it was rare to actually pay for a center, and they did it, and it just backfired on them quickly. Um, so I don't really see them doing that again. I know the Rams center, I forget his name, it's Austin something. Uh, I forget how to pronounce his last name. You know what I'm talking about? He's a free agent now, too. Blythe or something like that, I maybe? Think, I think you said it right. I think it is Blythe. Yeah, like, you can go out and pay for, uh, I mean, you can pay for a guy like that, or you can draft a rookie, and I don't necessarily see them going that route again. So I would, in the interest of, like, trying to win a championship, Right away, you probably should just keep Ethan. Like, that's like a must. Like, keep your center because they don't have any depth there on the roster. And then this is a tough one. So, on defense, it's probably Shaq, right? And it's tough because I I think KJ Wright is a better player right now than Shaquille. 
However, I think that KJ Wright plays a position that they are more equipped to fill than Shaq does. Like their cornerback situation is not great if Shaq walks. Just like when the day he walks, it's like, ooh, damn, what do we do now? It's like the Will Smith Fresh Prince episode where he's just standing there. Right, like, oh man, ain't nobody here. That's probably how Sean McVay is actually looking. They keep <laughs> all his assistance is gone. Um, so you have nothing at corner if you lose Shaq. You have stuff at linebacker. Not to say Jordan Brooks is good as KJ Wright. He is not, at least not right now. He could be, you never know. But because you do have linebackers, you have players you've invested in at that position that you can pull in there and swing them in there. It makes it, you know, Shaq becomes a bit more essential in that. And he also plays a premium position. Right, you're not talking about off-ball linebacker. You're talking about corner, which is what? The most important defensive position? No? I, Mo- say, I say so. Between a defensive lineman and the corner. Yeah. I was, they, they go, they're yin and yang, in my opinion. It, you got to have, yeah, continue. Yeah, I would probably, I think corner is probably the most premium spot. Uh, yeah, or, or edge rusher. doesn't really matter. Point is, Shaq plays <laughs> one of them. So, and KJ does not. So it's really just positional value. And the other part of that is the Seahawks haven't shown a willingness to invest really high in that position in the draft. I really don't understand Pete's philosophy. It's just so weird, right? So look at Pete with cornerbacks. He doesn't pay for them. And he doesn't consider them a premium position in free agency. And he doesn't consider it a premium position in the draft. Yet, it's a premium position on the field and his expertise what the hell? Like I just—it's it, a weird mix. Like either if if you don't if you don't think it's a premium position to pay for in free agency, whatever, fine, dumb, but whatever, I get it. You gotta think it's premium in the draft, right? He's never taken a corner, an outside corner at least, higher than Shaq at ninety. So you're not even willing to spend a second round pick on a corner. I think the highest DB he's the two highest DBs he's taken are Earl, obviously Shaq. No, um, Marquise Blair was like. A really high pick too. He was a higher pick than Shaq, but he drafted as a safety, not a corner. Ended up converting to corner later, and even then put him in a slot. So, I think that they're really in a dilemma at corner because Pete's and then Pete's got this thing with the arm length. So it's just like you're just putting yourself in a box at this very important position. I understand having traits that you like, but you're painting yourself into a corner there if you don't consistently draft well at corner. Like it's cool when you draft. You, you go grab a Maxwell or even like Thurman and Sh- and Sherm and Jay Lane and you find a Deshaun Shed. Like you're finding all of these dudes, the homegrown type of guys, and you stop doing that. And then you're just like, all right, we got Trey, we got Shaq, and then what do we got after that? So I don't know what they're going to do at corner. Like I said, I don't think Shaq will be back, and I think it's really important that he is back. Like that's really bad. For me, I agree with you on the Ethan Posick one. I think that's huge. I also was ten, was towing the line with Chris Carson just because I thought how pivotal he was. But when it comes down to it, you still need an O-line. Although Chris can make up for it and fight for two, three yards on his will alone, I'm sure it'd be nice to have a nice O-line to open up some holes for him so he can run through them. And having Ethan Posick is definitely the beginning of that. With defense, I'm going to go KJ, and just because of the relationship he has with Bobby and that defense, he knows a lot of things. And not to mention the fact that, yeah, we saw what DJ Reed did. Can he do it again? Probably. And I think that allows the Seahawks to be flexible with the corner position. Because what if they do bring back Quentin Dunbar? Maybe the Seahawks do, in fact, go for the draft and try to get a young talent at corner, which would make a lot of sense considering everything you just lamented Mm -hmm. regarding Pete Carroll and what he likes and what he wants to do. 
They already got a new OC. I don't think they're going to change the offense. But maybe the defense is looking to make some changes here, and this could be the season. So I'm going to go with K.J. Wright, and hopefully the Seahawks can bring back Shaquille Griffin. But if they don't and they end up keeping K.J., the corner position becomes really important, and I think it becomes fun for the most part. You get to see what D.J. Reed's all about because ultimately, I don't know if he can play outside against top receivers because of the height challenge there. I don't like the matchup of Julio Jones going up against the 5'9 DJ Reed play after play. I think that's just set up for him to get beat a few times. If he proves me wrong, kudos. But I do think bringing back Quentin Dunbar, who I think wants to play at an elite level, if healthy, he can be one of the best, but we just haven't seen it with yeah, the Seahawks. Yeah, that's a lot of, of ifs. That's, that's almost to the point with Will Fuller, right? It's a little different, though. It, it's a lot different, to be honest, because for one... You're looking at a third receiver at this point. You already well, have two studs. Well, also, Will Will was healthy this year. I'll give you that. Yes. Yeah. He was Will just, was he healthy. Was just, he just maybe he was healthy because he was on the juice. I don't know. <laughs> I do not know. Allegedly on the juice. I don't know. It does. It doesn't matter. There it is. So I'm going with Ethan Poser. I agree with Mike on that, but I also am I'm going to go with KJ Wright because I think KJ he proved it again. Just bring him back. I think you thought anything at him, he's probably going to be like, okay, we can make it work. He's going to get it done because I think he loves playing with the Seahawks organization. And he proved it again. And I would love to see KJ back out there balling out. Next one we got is probably going to make Mike jump out and walk away from the pod. Would you consider trading Bobby Wagner? Could use cap space. He is good, but not great. And is getting older. Plus, Hawks need more draft picks. What could they get him for? And this is from our guy, Paul Martin. P. Martin, Katy, Texas. Okay. Wow. Uh, There's a lot to unpack here, man. I don't even like how we got to this space of like, in there, my man Paul says Bobby's good, not great. Why are we measuring great? I want to know how people measure linebacker because I feel like it's a lot of things that are just not like it's all just feel. Like I feel like a lot of times I just argue with people about what they feel. Like Bobby looks slower. Why the hell do you know? We actually have tracking data to track how fast dudes are running now, um, and like he looks slower relative like to what? Like chasing who? You know, I think like a lot of people tweeted me how much slower Bobby looked because he had to cover a crossing pattern against Stefan Diggs. I was like, guys, he would have looked slower against that in 2012. Like, yes, of course, Bobby got slower since 2012, but like he would have looked just as slow against Stefan Diggs on a crossing pattern in the middle of the freaking field in 2012 or 13 or whatever. So the answer to this question is no. Trading Bobby creates more problems, um, not solutions, right? You trade Bobby... A, you just lost the, you lost the anchor of your defense, right? You lost your captain. You lost your mic. You also lost your best defensive player. That is a thing that you need to have a good defense. And I do think like his smarts are something that you have to factor in here. Like I think we talked about this before. There's just been moments where Bobby just like says the thing, or like makes the play or puts someone else in a position to make a play. Cause you also remember he's setting the fronts and everything too, as the mic and he's keeping everything like in order. People look to him to just figure out how to just be a professional, how to practice, how to watch film, you know, just how to be a good NFL player in, in ways that aren't just like the on-field product, but even on-field stuff. Like they don't beat the Patriots in week two without Bobby, without Bobby, not even making the play, just being smart and letting guys know, I know where the ball is going based on everything that's happened today. This is how I'm going to put you guys in position to win us the game. Like, that's that's legit, like, someone like Bobby being worth a win. And it's hard to uh, talk about wins above replacement with, like, any any football player, but mostly anyone who's not a quarterback. But, like, 
that type of stuff is invaluable. Same thing, I think, like in Miami. Uh, like Bob, when Bobby says something, guys listen and respond. But on top of that, Bobby also got paid like the highest, the best linebacker in the league, and then made first team All Pro again. Like it's pretty freaking simple here that he is worth what he is making. And all we have on guys to like predict how successful they'll be in the future is their past performance. Right. So the last thing we saw is a multiple All Pro seasons. Um, Good in pass coverage, great against the run, good leader, stayed healthy, which, again, I understand staying healthy doesn't mean you'll continue to be healthy or whatever, but all of the things that you would want when you give Bobby a $54 million deal, he's done, and he's likely to continue to do that. Does he have another all-pro season in them? Eh, I don't know, but the things that he gives you are just so unique, and playing at such a high level, it's just, you're, what are you going to do at that spot? What are you going to do at that spot? And then I think Paul asks, I know I'm spending a lot of time on this one, but it's just so wild. What are you gonna what are you gonna get for him? Probably not the thing you think. Like as great as he is, it if you're looking at what that value is to other teams, it's not the same. Right? Like, yes, they know they're getting a great linebacker, but they're gonna they're giving up assets to do that, to pay him a lot. And at an age that you just don't see guys getting like a lot of return for at that position too. Like if Bobby was an edge rusher. Perhaps if he was a corner, perhaps if he was a receiver or a left tackle like Dwayne Brown yielded a lot. I think maybe that deal, maybe it looks a little bit like Dwayne's deal. What did Dwayne get traded? They gave him like a second, a third and some other stuff. Uh, I think in that Dwayne Brown deal in 2017, like maybe it looks like that's a maybe because that's a left tackle. So I don't even think the return on that is great. Not to say that Bobby is not great, but like, Chris, if you're, let's see, pretend to be a team, who are you going to be? gonna be right now I'm, I'm looking to trade bobby so i need a team panthers all right so i'm the panthers uh hey that's great because scott fitter is over there now there you go that's a good one uh so all right i'm john snyder hey scott what up man love you miss you how's things going to carolina good how's the fam all right cool so uh if i'm talking about bobby what you gonna what you gonna give me carolina has in this year's draft the number eight overall pick um, so when they, we talk about first rounders that you would want, you got to start there. Like, all right, cool. Hey, Scott, how, how's that sound? Let's do it, man. No, I'm kidding. I ain't doing that. Uh, for Bobby, he, is he, how old is he again? Uh, I don't think 31 or something. 31. Mm, let's see if we can get something in the second round or third. What you got? Oh, man. Okay. So then you're talking about, I think the Panthers have their, their second round pick. This is assume they do. If they have the eighth pick, then that means, uh, here, I'll go do a math. What they have like pick 40 or something like that, 41. Um, is that worth giving up my all-pro linebacker who's leader of my defense, you know, who's got that championship experience that is at times invaluable, you know, to my team? Probably not. All right, let's, let's continue this exercise. I think a lot of people think this, and we're going to continue this for a second. Be a, I need you to be a team in the back end of the draft that will maybe give up a late first-round pick. Mm. You mean to pull up the draft order? No, how about, you said a late team? Yeah, and preferably, preferably... The AFC, because why would the Seahawks... Let's go the Bills. Okay. Uh, Hey, what's his name? Billy Bean? Brandon Bean or something like that? It's Mr. Some, Bean. It's something Bean over there. Uh, he just got executive year. So, all right, man. I'm, I I know you guys just got to the title game. You you know, you couldn't stop Mahomes, but what's happening? I'm talking about unloading Bobby. How you guys feel about that? They're probably at pick like... Mm, 20, 20, 26 in the upper 20s. What you think? You're going to give me that for? That's tough, man. 
I like Bobby. No, I can't do the first round, man. I, I need. I we need our first round pick. Buffalo has pick thirty. Yeah, I can't do that. Sorry, I can't get pick thirty. Not for Bobby, man. Oh my goodness! You see what I'm saying? Like, and this is probably how this is gonna go too. And it is really just to package it where you're getting like a two and then another two a year later. Like you can build it, but I just don't think that's worth it right now. When a team that's trying to win a championship right now, Bobby helps you win a championship right now. A first round pick right now does not help you win it. I don't think. That's just my thought. Fair enough. We talked about D-line, and you mentioned Melvin. What's his last name? I just drew a blank. Melvin Ingram? Thank you. Melvin Ingram. What about J.J. Watt to Seattle? This is from Bobby Jolly. J.J. Watt to Seattle, any possibilities? And then he also wants to know, Marquise Blair, what will he bring to the team next season? Hopefully everyone stays healthy. Love the show. Appreciate the love. Um, The J.J. Watt thing is interesting because, like, I think there's a few teams, like, you remember last year, Chris, where the Rams basically had to do like a sale because they had no money and they had to get rid of guys. They were getting they got they cut Gurley, they cut Clay Matthews, they cut like one other guy. That's gonna bug me not being no. They basically had to dump players because they had no money, right? Yep. I think a lot of teams are gonna be doing stuff like that, trading guys who are like not not necessarily free agents right now, but you'll see maybe like teams who are clearly in rebuild mode getting rid of guys who are probably still damn good but just expensive. Uh, for other teams to think about, like J.J. Watt or Julio Jones. Uh, for the Falcons, like, we got to get we gotta get this money right. Like, Julio, you got to go. We got Calvin. We're going to just draft him. Love you. Peace. Hey, Matt Ryan, you too. Bye. You know, like, that's probably how they're going to get down. The J.J. thing, I don't know how realistic it is because that might be a situation where he's harder to shop than the Texans would think because he's kind of like Bobby where it's like, cool, he does help us, um, and he's great, but do I want to give up pick whatever – you know, for him. And what can the Seahawks offer him? They don't have no first. And so you got to go to the Texans and be like, hey, we'll give you our two this year, and then we'll give you our two next year. So you got back-to-back years where the Seahawks don't even pick to the third round. Ugh. That's, that's the Actually, they don't even pick in the third uh, this year. So that means they wouldn't even pick to the fourth. Could they do something like that? It might take a little bit more. I'm not really sure. Um, could they do something like that? Would it te- could the Texans uh, could the Texans just cut them? Who knows? Uh, but I think it's it's what I say on the David Moore like 15. percent This seems uh, very very similar. Though I think it would be fun. That's a piece that I would feel good about. The problem is you're really giving up the future. You're doing like the Rams are. We're like first round pick. What is that? <laughs> and you're pushing everything down the line. So uh, I don't I don't know how likely that is. It would be fun though. I would love to see a defense here that's really elite like that. That would make the defense elite. I don't care if they bring back KJ or Shaq. You got J.J. Watt, Bobby, Jamal, um, you know, Quandre, like, keep J. Reed, Puna. That's, those are some hitters. But the other young guys that you already have, I like it. And then the Marquise Blair, what will he bring to the team next I, season? I'm just not sure. I think we've only saw, I don't know how many snaps we saw of Marquise last year. I would imagine somewhere like 50 or 60. That's just not a lot for me to just figure out much. Like we saw him play safety a little bit, only saw a little bit of him at in the slot. I just don't know. I think he's going to be good, but it's just such an unknown. I think that he's probably gonna be like in the best case scenario, he's like Justin Coleman. Remember how good Justin Coleman was in that twenty eighteen when he got paid by Detroit? I think you could get something like that. Okay. I think you can get something like that at Marquise, but I do think that would take time. You bought up Jay Reed. Bryce Coots, he wants to know, do you 
think Jay Reed could be traded to make up for a lack of picks and cap space? Love the podcast. Appreciate the love, Bryce. I'll go out and say they could. I just don't know for how much. Jay Reed right now is probably what? At best, fourth or fifth round pick? At best. And Ooh. that's that might be... Because you re- got to factor in the contract, too. That might be a reach there. Two I didn't year, look at the contract. 23.5 million is what he signed or something, something like yeah, that? Yeah, because it was a two-year... Yeah, but, uh, was it 20? Or is it 16 or something? I think he's making like 11 million a year or something. Like I think that. you're right. I think he is making 11 and a half million or something to that magnitude. But yeah, so that's so you're asking the team to give up assets and take on that deal for a defensive tackle. Let's see his cap hit this year is 13.9. Ooh, yeah, no, that's like 26. Yeah, so um if you trade him now the deal the deal was um your cap hit's not necessarily the same uh, cut in half. Like he signed a deal that was 23 million. So yeah. Mm. So I don't yeah. And you don't really relieve that much cap. How much really cap relieve you? Let me see. I'm using overthecap.com. You save about nine mil uh, trading J. Reed. And yeah, I don't really know what you're getting back. I, at best, Mike, it's got to be fourth or fifth. At best. Worst, six, seven. I think at best, you're probably looking at third. You think third? I mean, not every team is smart. <laughs> for real, not every. No, you. I'm thinking you, like every you, team's, you know, the Seahawks and everything. Yeah, no, you gonna, get bad deals all the time. Yeah, you um, right. So that's at, at best. best that's, at that third. is your best case yeah. scenario, which is a useful pick. A lot of teams find a lot of value in the second and third rounds of the draft. Like day two is where you really you build your championship team. To be yes. honest, um, and day three is where you're like finding depth. Um, so I don't think you're getting a ton. I think it's an option for sure. I'm, I guarantee you, John Snyder has considered it. He's looked at it and said, if we got to clear some guys out. Um, those guys in like that middle. He's in one of those guys in that middle. He's not a he's not a rookie and he's not like all pro. He's in that middle. And when you're strapped for cash, those guys are the first to go. Can you guys see the Seahawks trading pending free agents for picks? And this is from Keith, K Corb nineteen. Trading pending free agents? Mm-hmm. You mean like a tag and trade? There uh, it is. Type of thing like they did with Frank. I would think so, yes. Yeah. Um I guess in theory, no, I don't. I, I I don't necessarily see that. I just don't know why a team like. I don't think teams view. Maybe they view Shaq that way. That's interesting. Um, I guess they could. Maybe they're having the Pro Bowl on his resume. That would be an interesting one. Like you tag up, and then a team like who's who's invested in defense, the Rams. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think like. In the AFC? Nah, because trading in, yeah. You, the you try Steelers. To, you try to trade, yeah. Well, they don't have no money either. Uh, You're right about that. <laughs> maybe Denver. I think Denver has money. So let's say Denver calls and they're like, yeah, if you guys tag Shaq at 14 mil, we'll we'll, we'll give you a second round pick and, and give them an extension. Like, I think there's an outside. Ch- I don't feel good about that happening. Okay. I don't feel good about that. But that is probably the only scenario I see where you get like a pending free agent, you know, being tradable in that way. This one's from Larry Collins. What do you think is most likely? What would you do? Seahawks draft a cornerback, sign one of their own, free agency cornerback, or sign an outside free agency corner? And if so, who? Um. So what I think... Okay, what I start with, what is most likely? I think they just draft. That's probably most likely. They probably just draft. Um, what do? What would I do? I would probably. I would try to keep Shaq if I could and see where his head's at. But if his head's where I think his head's at, then that ain't <laughs> happening. Um, so what I would probably do is I would bring in a vet. 
I'd bring in I'd bring in a vet like Sherm or Patrick Peterson if I could. Stick him out there and say, We're gonna run cover three. Can you do that? Sure. Sure, coach. Especially Sherm. You know Sherm can do it, right? So I would do that and then I would use my second round pick on a corner. The best corner that there is available. And I would not care about the measurements. I think he's gotta come up off that. You gotta come up off that. If you got a good guy, you just got to play him. So then you have a full-on cornerback battle. You got DJ Reed. You got Trey Flowers. You got Richard Sherman. Probably going to start. Um, and even then, even if he, if you don't want him to, then he just doesn't. Um, and you got your rookie, who's probably not going to help you win a championship this year, but could. Let's say someone gets hurt or something like that. So you got like like a good like four dudes you can legit start, and and you got some depth just in case somebody get hurt. I like it. That's probably what I would do. Understood. Let's go to the offensive side of the football. What do you think Shane Waldron will do to fix Russell? Especially in the offense as well. I don't think Russell's broken. I think I wrote that line too in my, and my this piece is, on Russell. Sorry, this is from Mira. Yeah, I don't think Russell's broken. Um, I think I think one thing that I would like to see, I think Mike, Mike Sandel mentioned it, and I'm kind of stealing this from him, is Russ under center a little bit more. I think Russ as part of the run game will be really, really nice to see. I think, like, when I was watching, um, I was talking with some people about Super Bowl Forty Nine because you saw Cam Chancellor's piece on the Players Tribune where he doesn't understand why they threw it, which is weird. They threw it because it makes sense to throw, Cam. Anyway, like, and a lot of people were suggesting things they should have run. I think, like, not only just, like, giving it to Marshawn as a thing there, the read option. Like, remember how often Russ used to be in the run game? Like, I can see why Russ doesn't want to do that a he ton. He led the Seahawks in rushing at one point. Well, yeah. and then, Well, <laughs> then he was running out of necessity. But, like, he used to be, like, the run game used to center around Russell. And, and like, in 2017, it was just bad, right? It just was Russell out of desperation, whereas it, it, before it was by design. And so I think getting to that a little bit, I think, would really help um, the offense. I think it would just be another dimension that you have to account for. Freeze that linebacker, that edge guy who has to decide what to do. It wouldn't be like the super savior of the team. I think it's an added dimension that got lost and has success in the past. And you could do it situationally. I think I think their short yardage stuff on third downs could be a lot better if the, if the, if the options weren't just like, oh, we're in a shotgun now, so this is probably going to be a handoff to Chris Carson, right? Or whoever's the running back. Like if it was like, oh, Russ might keep on third and three. Russ might keep on fourth and two. Russ might keep on third and goal, right? Maybe get some RPO um, action in there as well. I think those things where you're like the threat of, I guess the RPOs wouldn't have Russ's legs in them too much, but um, the threat of Russ's legs, even if he's not like super duper fast, um, I think could be useful. Russ ain't slow. Um, He has big runs this year. So I think that's helpful too. And he's got to do something with the yards after catch. Like it's just inexcusable to have an offense that doesn't like to be so bad at it. Um, And there's some reasons for that. Um, There's got to be a lot of rhythm throws in the offense and your quarterback's got to be really good at that short underneath stuff. Um, You got to lead his guys, things like that. But Jesus, man, it's just criminal that these guys are so bad at generating yards after the catch. So bad. So I think that's, those are two areas. I think using Russ's legs and getting some yak would be helpful. Staying on the offensive side, we have this one from That's Tough. Who would be the ideal number three wide receiver you think they could go after? I think you kind of hinted at who that might be. Uh, yeah, I would like Fuller. I'm going to go like, T.Y. Yeah, or, or T.Y. I like both of them. Um, just as a, not as like a underneath dude, because I don't think that's something you really pay for um, unless you're getting someone who's like a Cole Beasley or – 
Damn, let me try to not name someone white here. Um, nope, nope. All the best one guys are white. Well, Jarvis too. Jarvis too. I like Jarvis. I uh, think he's number two though. No, I'm saying like he's he's an underneath guy. Got it. Okay. That's what I'm saying. He obviously Jarvis can stretch your field as well, but like Jarvis, even Juju Smith, um, digs a little bit too. Guys who are just really nasty underneath. But I don't think that's a position you necessarily want to pay for. That's one you got to draft and develop. I think. Um, but. If, but they need a third guy that's going to stretch the field. I mean, they kind of had it in David Moore. They can just upgrade there. Just Yeah, I just upgrade. That. That's all it is. Just upgrade. These guys that we're naming are better than David. That's fine. David would probably acknowledge that. Like, that's that's cool, too. Even if he wouldn't, he'd be wrong. So it doesn't matter. So I think that would be nice for that aspect of it. But I do think if you're to fix their underneath problem, I think it's got to be someone you got on the roster. Got to be like the Aaron Fuller. Got to be a John Arsua. Got to be the young. I don't think Philip Dorsett fixes that problem either. I think shiftiness is like the need there. It's that that guy's going to get open right away. Like the ball is snapped. Russ has it in his hand. The dude is already open because he had a nasty release. Like the release got to be crazy. And Tyler's good at releasing, but he's not necessarily as shifty as someone like Doug. You know, Doug was really good at that. Or even like Golden Tate. Super amazing, nasty, Mister Yak. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, shoot, bring Golden Tate back. Yeah, that might fix it. But that's the only reason. Is he still in the league? Golden yes, Tate? Yeah, yes, that's right. Still, yeah. He got in a fight with Jalen Ramsey. He's still right. out there. Yeah, Pixies Enjoyer. You answered this first part about do you think a reliable underneath option? But the other part is, do you think it should be offensive line upgrade is more necessary to make Russ's life easier? Yes, I think so. I think. Offensive line has to be elite to pull off what Pete wants to do. I mean, it has to be elite to pull off anything. Anything, yeah. Yeah, really. <laughs> to pull off you want to win a Super Bowl? Yeah, you want to win a Super Bowl, you're going to need a damn good offensive line. But you really need a really, really nasty one to pull off what Pete wants to do. You need, like, the best run-blocking O-line. Because you're not going to have a generational talent at running back. It's not that the O-line was super great in those years where they were really good at rushing. They were good. But they also had Marshawn Lynch, who masked a lot of those issues. If Marshawn Lynch got hit in the backfield, that was a problem for the defender. Like, you know, like that was hit, like, poor, you poor linebacker, how dare you hit Marshawn back there? Because now you're on your face, right? Doesn't end well. They don't have that now. So you're going to need an a, a, a offensive line where your running back is used to not getting hit until he's beyond the line of scrimmage. Marshawn Lynch was getting hit in the backfield and making it happen because he was a generational talent, like legit. He was going to have a Hall of Fame argument. Without that type of runner, you need an elite like what the what the uh, Colts have, or even the Titans, like the, or like what the um, Cowboys had for a couple of years with Zeke. You just need the O line to just be a bunch of just dogs. Um, but even then, to be like on the pass heavy side, like I think you need the offensive line obviously to be really really good. Um, you do because you're gonna need time back there, and Russ likes to hold on to the ball for a little bit. Um, so it you need to up, upgrade the offensive line regardless. But if Pete's gonna do this run thing, I think you really gotta have. A bunch of just dogs up front making big, big, big holes for whoever you have playing running back. Chris Dunn drops in with a question, and he talks O-line. Who do you think return as starters for the offensive line? Um, I think Post-it comes back. So I think you're only really replacing one spot, and that's left guard. And I wouldn't be surprised. Also, I think I said I would use the second-round pick that they have on a guard, or excuse me, on a corner. It wouldn't surprise me if they – um, used it on a guard. Like, they took, like, I don't know, I'd probably go find some guys from the Senior Bowl. What was that big, uh, you see that big white dude that has his belly all out at the Senior Bowl? Yes. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he's a center or a guard. Probably a guard. 
Uh, but yeah, you take a guy like that at 56, I think is where their pick is. Yeah, you can get like, I think that's where they pick Ethan Posick or 58 or something like that. I could see them taking like the best interior lineman on the board at 56, starting him. So your starting lineup next year is Dwayne Brown, um, whoever the rookie is, or Phil Haynes or something, whatever. But whoever the rookie is, Ethan Posick, Damian Lewis, Brandon Shell. Boom. I could see that. I don't know how good it is, but I can see it. Let's jump to the defensive side again. What do you think the Seahawks' defense looks like week one? And this is from Steph Beam 22. Should we expect him to carry over the success from the second half of last season right away, or do you see another rough start to the season for them? Um, I don't think I see another rough start. Um, I think they just had to just they had figure to, it out. Yeah, they had to figure some things out. And that I think they meeting. I think they did yeah, they think <laughs> they did a good job, you know, of that the accountability stuff I think really helped. I think getting healthy. Um they just didn't have depth. Um I think that was a big problem. I think the prevent defense thing they were doing was really, really, really stupid. And like guys I really respect um who know defense like suggested, but I just I'm gonna go a little rant here about this. I really don't understand. Like, the Falcons game was a really good example of this, and they've had other good examples, too. The Niners game, the first one, is also a really good example of this. You have a game where you're not allowing points playing your normal defense. You're not allowing big plays. You're just playing your normal defense. You're, if you see Seahawks, it's like cover three. Like, the Falcons, for three quarters, they're playing a bunch of, like, cover three. The Falcons score, like, 12 points. They switch to, like, a two-high two look, playing off, and they'll give them, like, three touchdowns in a row. I just in the you know Chris the Seahawks have done that it happens to them a lot. It happened in the Niners game way too often. They were smoking the Niners playing their regular defense, and then they got a little soft towards the last drive, not the first two drives, um, when Nick Mullins came in, and they gave up touchdowns on all three. Uh, I'm pretty sure against the Niners, and they've had games like that where like they're playing fine, the other team isn't scoring, and then like in the two minute situation or whatever, they're going like those two high looks and they're playing off and it's this prevent thing and then they give up points. I just don't understand the logic there between like we're not giving up points in our normal defense and we go into this thing that we usually don't even run that often and then we start giving up points. I just I think they figured that out a little bit towards the second half of the season and kind of fixed some things. And you saw them like when they got up big, like still sending blitzers and stuff like that, like still trying to be more like them. Because when they just sit back, they're terrible, terrible, for real. They're legit terrible doing that. So, uh, and Pete kept dismissing it as like, yeah, we're giving up a lot of yards, but it's in garbage time. Like you don't have to give up yards in garbage time either. (laughs) You don't. You can blow teams out by playing the the like if you're up twenty, heading into the fourth. Play the defense that got you up 20. What? <laughs> Am I tripping? I don't know why you switched to another thing. And now you're only up seven by the end of the game. It's like, well, yeah, they scored because we we're letting them score. Like, what? That's it doesn't make That's sense. stupid to me. So I don't think they'll come off to a slow start because it does seem like they learned that lesson a little bit. Um, so I think the defense, the the two, the two the two main starters that they won't have, I think they probably won't have KJ or Shaq. That's one of the two. Like, yeah. No, I don't think they have either one. Oh man! Yeah, that's no. It's 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 unfortunate. I don't think that'll be the one. For me, I, I agree with that, and I also think Jamal Adams is going to break his own record. <laughs> what do you think he's going to get? Like ten sacks? Yeah, especially if he's healthy. I mean, unfortunately, he didn't. He wasn't healthy all year, obviously. But mm-hmm. there are games where he just really it was. He, yeah, he he just, get, there was games he couldn't play. He just couldn't play. Period. And he wasn't out there. And even when he was out there, you could just see something is bothering him, and he tried to 
muster it up and tough it out. That's what Jamal Adams does. He's a warrior. He's a playmaker. He doesn't. He calls himself a weapon. I get it. I expect the defense to come back in next season, be a top ten defense, and I expect Jamal Adams to break his own sack record. Yeah, they should. They should top ten's reasonable. I think can't do that by trading Bobby though. Paul, sorry, that's, that was mean. I shouldn't have done that. How do the Hawks' offseason plans change with the Rams' acquisition of Mr. Matthew Stafford? Um, that's a good question. I just think that it reinforces like how important maximizing. And this one is from Hunter Stempin. Sorry about that. What's up, Hunter? Um, I just think that what the What's happening in the NFC West should be just it should reinforce the importance of doing everything you can to help your quarterback. Like look at look at the other teams in the NFC West. If you're Seattle, look at them. What does Kyle Shanahan do? He gives he makes sure that the team is built to hold Jimmy G's hand. Like, look, man, I know what you can't do. So we're gonna build everything else around that. We're gonna get you a run game. We're gonna have an elite defense. Um, we're gonna get when you do have to throw, we're gonna make it low percentage stuff and get guys who are good at yards after the catch. Like, look at, look at when Debo Samuel gets the ball in his hands. Look at George Kittle. Like, he gets him those guys. Right? That's what he does. Look what they do in um, L.A. Sean McVay, again, Jared, I'm going to hold your hand until I can't anymore. Design this offense where we're giving you a lot of low percentage or a good high percentage throws that are close to the line of scrimmage. Get guys for a good yards to the catch. We're going to build you an O-line. Um, we already have, you know, defensive players. We're going to turn that up a notch. Get you Jalen Ramsey, too, to go with Aaron Donald. And we're just going to do everything we can to make sure that, like, your hand is held. The training wheels are on. And that, I don't think that's happening in Arizona. But even then, it's like, okay, we drafted Kyler. We got the, got the rookie. Oh, man, like, we need to upgrade this. Hey, Kyler, how do you feel about D-Hop? Right? Like, there's things being done to – and even the Arizona offense is built around Kyler's legs, too. Um, like, there's ways – There, everyone else in the division is, like – the quarterbacks have success because of the system, where it seems like Russell will be the only one in the division that is having success despite or in spite of. And that's just not how it should be. You should be getting maximized. And I think what's going to happen in L.A. is they're going to maximize Matt Stafford because you don't have to hold his hand. Um, uh, the Niners are probably going to dump Jimmy G. But even then, if they're not, they're going to be fine with Jimmy G. And then you got Arizona, too. So it's just like the Stafford thing should just be a reminder to Pete, like, the most important thing is your quarterback. You need a quarterback, and you got one. So do everything you can to make his life easier so you can win the damn division. If not, the other teams who are helping their quarterbacks are going to keep advancing further in the playoffs than you, with the exception of Arizona that has not. This one is from African Cameraman. It seems like every offseason the past five-ish seasons, Seahawks have made a big move for a player via trade. With their draft capital, now it seems like they'll do something to that regard. Do you think they are more likely to sign a big free agent or trade one of their own stars away? Yeah, I think they're more likely to trade one of their own stars. I don't think it'll be Bobby, Paul. Um, <laughs> I guess I got to leave Paul alone. Um, it's all love, man. Um, I think the mo the one that only makes some sense is Tyler, is trading Tyler. I don't know if they should necessarily, but that's the one where you look at the roster, you look at like the landscape, you look at his age and his contract and what he, what you could actually get that's worth something. I mean, but the, the problem with that is like, let's say you trade Tyler to, which team you want to pretend to be this time, Chris? I only need just like a second round pick this time, so. Go with the Saints because they got to dump some stuff. They got to figure it out. Well, they don't got no money though. But whatever. There's a problem. Uh, uh, let's go. Okay, no, we won't do the Saints. Instead. Try Let's go AFC again. I'll go back with the Bills then. 
Wow, they don't need no receivers, though. They don't need no receivers. Do they? No, they have. You're right. <laughs> they got Kobe's who played with a broken tibula. How about John you Brown? Be, you be Jacksonville. Well, they need everything, but all right, cool. Let's say you be like Jacksonville, and I call you, and I say, hey, guys, um, I got Tyler Lockett for you. You ready to give me pick 44 or whatever you got? Dang, Come on, you're rebuilding. 44. That would really help Trevor Lawrence out. You got the room. He's only 20. What'd you say? I think you looked it up. He's 28. No, Tyler. Ty. Oh, you said Ty. Yeah, Ty's 28. Yeah. Give me, give me that second rounder. This is really tough, but you know what? For the sake of this demonstration, let's do it. Okay. So I've shipped him off to Jacksonville. Uh, I've reunited him with Daryl Bevel, and I reunited him with Shoddy. Who's oh, it worked out. Who's going to be the um, passing, passing game, game coordinator. coordinator for Jacksonville. Fun. I didn't even I didn't even think about that when I suggested Jacksonville. So let's say we do that. Um, and now at the second, with the, well, I have two second round picks now. I have pick forty, whatever I think the Jag, uh, the Jags have or something like that. Um, so I have that, and I have like pick fifty six or whatever. So I don't think that the problem with this scenario is I don't think that trade that whoever you take there is not going to help you win a title more than Tyler would. Um, but it does free up some money. I don't know how much I can look, but. I think that's probably your biggest one, but you're like, man, man, I just traded a guy for a second round pick. That doesn't really do a lot for me in terms of freeing up space, but it does free up some and get you some draft picks. Yep. So, I, again, I don't know if that's something they should do, but when I was looking at the roster, I was like, ah, Jay Reed probably doesn't get you much. Uh, you shouldn't trade Quandre. Uh, no, don't trade Jamal again. Uh, who, any, everyone's suggesting that is that's stupid. Don't trade Jamal again. That's just such a bad idea. Oh, my God, that's terrible. Uh and then who else? Like Carlos Dunlap. There's just not a lot of guys out there who I think yield. So even if you wanted to dump like Rasheem or LJ, you want to like end that experiment early while he's still like, I think he's what twenty six or something like that. Rasheem's pretty young. I just don't think these guys are helping you in the way you need. They're maybe giving you seventh or sixth if you really want to get on day two or day one of the draft. I think the only one that makes sense, a little sense, is someone like Tyler, just because. He's the only person in his position group making eight figures. That's not the best guy in his position group, which is, again, in a year like this, it's bad news. Uh, again, I don't know if I would do it, but I could see, honestly, the Jacksonville thing starting to sound a lot better now that I just we just mapped that out. Well, everything's starting to... Yeah, that sounded, that, sounded, that sounded good. But I need you to close your eyes on this one. This is from our guy, Mr. Collins. Stephen Collins? You got it? Yes. Nice. So close your eyes on this one. Close my eyes? Okay. Imagine that you are in charge of the Seahawks offseason. Nice. Congrats on the pay raise, by the way. Hell yeah. What three things do you do to give the Seahawks the best chance to compete for a Super Bowl? Okay. First thing, number one, is not necessarily a transaction. It is um, is a philosophy. Like, I I go into the... I I, I do. I got to go in there to Pete and be like, look. Russ is going to freaking cook, whether you like it or not. That is what we are going to do. We are going to cook. We are going to design an offense that is pass first. See what Shadi was doing? Yes. We we're remixing we're, that. We're, exactly. <laughs> we're just going to do it. We're just going to do it better. <laughs> it's like that one way to run the ball. It's not one way to be pass first either. You tried it. You were good at it. Then you stunk. We're going to fix it. Right? That's what we're going to do. So that'll be my first order of business. Um, my second thing, I I gotta, I gotta do some trades. I gotta do some trades now that you, now that I'm in charge. 
I would probably have to make that Tyler move we just said to Jacksonville if they're going to do it. Like, I actually might have to do that. Um, I would probably do that, and then I might just get crazy with it. If I got two twos now. I know what you're doing. What am I doing? No, I'm going to let you say it. I want to see if I'm right, oh, okay. actually. Uh, if I got the two twos, then I try to go get JJ. Damn it. Okay. I, I didn't think you were going to do that. No? Though. I didn't think you were going to do that, but. I respect that. That's actually a really good move. Yeah. So, like, if I do that, so basically, I've swapped. I mean, it's not that simple, but like, if if I can, if they'll do it for two twos, like if the Houston's like, all right, cool, because they're already gonna get a bunch of picks for Deshaun. Yes. Right. So if you, you just dump, you dump JJ two. It's like if I get you two twos for JJ, which is still not the best move in the world for your long term, because again, you're not picking for a while, and I just you just gave up your receiver, but you got like an elite pass rusher. Um, and I would restructure his deal or whatever too to push all the money back because I think he's still under contract. So I push the money back, um, like a credit card. Um, so <laughs> how many does that? Is that three moves? Does that count as three? I like that. That's fine. Okay, so I I fix I fixed our philosophy on offense. And you traded Tyler. Uh, I, yeah. It's and a, then you said I'm and flipping then I, that. And then I got us a pass rusher. There you go. Um, it's not a bad move. Yeah, I mean it doesn't fix everything. But um, hey, that's a damn good start. Uh, yeah. Did the if I was to get like. Yeah, okay, we remix and if I was gonna do uh something really, really drastic is I would I would start shedding contracts. Whoever's like I would just start clearing it out and then just try to buy an offensive line. I ain't For, mad at that. That either. would be like moves one, two, and three. Like doesn't even matter the philosophy. I just buy an offensive line. Cause I think that is a position where you can go out and pay some guys and like you look at some teams who have been an offensive lineman away. Like even just looking at getting Brandon Shell made the Seahawks offensive line better. Um I think Cleveland last year paid for an offensive lineman and he ended up being a stud. Like you can pay for something. That would be in an alternate world, all three steps would be that. Um, but otherwise, yeah. I got my raise, I fix our philosophy. Um, I draft receivers. Um, and you bring in J.J. Watt. Yeah, and I upgrade our pass rush. This is from Holly. What is one thing you guys are looking forward to in watching, seeing how the Hawks improve from this 2020 to 2021 season? And thoughts on the possibility of the Niners getting Watson? Thank you both for your great work this offseason and giving us the skinny on the Hawks. Appreciate the love, Holly, and no problem. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Um, So I don't think the Niners are gonna have enough to give up to get the sean watson yeah, you saw what happened with stafford what they gave up yeah because well i think also if the if, if, te- if the houston texans are smart they're gonna want to get early picks like niners don't have <laughs> like yeah from teams like miami who have a lot right now yep. that you can go get like high picks too yes like miami Top has 10. like i mean miami has like the third pick i think there you so go. things like that that's what i would want um if I'm Houston, but then I don't know how smart Houston is, right? They got that preacher dude over there running things. Um, so I don't think the Niners will get him. If they did, I think it'd be really fun. Um, I know that's bad news for the Seahawks, but I, yeah, my tweet sums it up. I ain't gotta, I ain't gotta guard him. Like, <laughs> ain't got nothing to do with me. All I gotta do is write stories about yeah, him. Yeah, that's it. Like, <laughs> it, would, it would be probably the best quarterback division. I don't know about ever because I'm too young to to say that with having the historical uh, references. But a division that has Russell Wilson, Matt Stafford. Deshaun Watson and Kyler Murray is really and all in their those are all in their primes. Actually, can we say top ten every week? Kyler's not in his prime necessarily, but and you can argue Matt's not necessarily in his. But you guys get what I'm saying. Like, there's really good years left. Yeah, on all of those guys. Um, so that would actually be really really fun. Um, yeah, it'd be tough. Um, and the first part of that was one what thing it, you're looking forward to in this season. 
Ah man, that's, seeing or watching. I really want to see that what's what's next for Russ and DK because I think they're like they're on like the hall of really good trajectory right now. You know, that that path where you're like a I don't know who's in the hall of really good, but they're right there on the fringe. I think they're both really, really, really good. And they're on a track to be really, really, really good. If they want to be great, they got to start lighting the world on fire. I'm talking like Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Adams yeah. Jerry Rice, and Joe. every quarterback he's ever That's had. That's true. Uh, <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> um, Tom Brady and Randy Moss in 07. Like, I'm talking about they need a season like that. I'm where DK has, or, you know, Julio Jones and Matt Ryan in 2016. Um, even Michael Thomas and Drew Brees in 2018. I mean, he had broke the record for catches. <laughs> yeah, like it, they need to have hell. Even Drew, Josh Allen and Diggs this year. Yeah, that was know? incredible. Yeah, like you need to have one of those. They need to have one of those where it's like Russ has like 44 touchdowns or something like that. DK has like 17 of them. Jesus. Um, and he's first for real, he's first team all. How many Devontae had this? Year? Like 18, 17, 18. Yeah, he 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 set some. He set the world on fire. Yeah, Randy had like 21, 22 in 2007 or something like that. Like. One of those years, because right now they're just on the path to like really good. They be in one of those convos, where it's not like you want to lead the convo of like best quarterback receiver duo. Because then they want to be the best. That is what I would really be excited to see happen. I challenge both of them to have that be their goal. They're just not good. They're lighting the league on fire. For me, I am going with the offense because I really want to see what Shane, what Pete, what they're gonna do. Yes, I understand they're going to run the ball, but I want to see how they mix in this passing game. And we saw what the Rams like to do, a lot of play action, getting Goff on the move. Well, Russell's eons better than Goff, right? With the talent he has, it should be a lot more productive. The biggest issue was the receivers not making guys miss when they get the catch, yards after catch. The Seahawks have a problem with that. The Rams, not so much. The Rams do it. And they're really good at it. They just didn't have the quarterback that was consistent enough. We saw games where Jared Goff literally just gave it to Quandre Diggs. Like, here, here you go. Yeah, no. This, Russ this, is not, their scheme was good. Really good. Russ is not going to do that. It's going to be interesting to see what Shane brings. And I guess the bigger question is, well, Chris, Shane was supposed to mold Jared Goff, and he was the number one overall pick, and he never got it. What makes you think it's going to work here? Well, I he's, think He's just better than him. I too. think Russ is just the better quarterback, and things are going to be a little easier in that regard. Yeah. That's what I'm excited to see from this, this upcoming season is how this offense is going to flow. Does Russ cook at all? <laughs> uh, he should. But yeah, he I'm should. With I'm with you. He should, but if he doesn't, how does this team look? Are we going to have the same discussion we had at the end of the year? Probably, next 20, season? probably 2018, Russ. And that's that's not good enough. Uh, fans, no. it's not good enough for the team. They have high expectations. Jamal Adams thinks it's Super Bowl or bust. A lot of players on the team... I think if not all of them believe it's Super Bowl or bust. Uh, yeah, that's all. When you come to Seattle, you you come here to win a Super Bowl. That's what people do. It's like when you join. It's not the same thing, but it's like you join the Patriots or something like that. Like we expect to win, even though the Seahawks have only got one. The Seahawks are just such a team known for winning that that's what guys want to do when they get here. But yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to seeing this year. That offense, what Shane and Pete are going to do with the talent they got around them. Excuse me. We already answered the. Shaquille Griffin, do you think he'll be back? But Martin wants to know, what did you make of his recent Instagram and tweets? Oh, with Shaq? Mm-hmm. Um, it was nothing, man. It was it was, it was nothing. I try not to read too much into the cryptic tweets that guys have. And because over the years, I've checked into it, and it's just always been nothing. Like, I think only one time, and I don't even remember which dude it was, had one 
where it was in reference to the team and his like free agency situation. I mean, it might have been some Drake lyrics, I think, from some. They're all Drake lyrics, man. For the most part, everybody's life is Drake. We're <laughs> all of our lives are Drake lyrics. Um, but I, I, I try not to look into them too much. Like, I don't even hit like my sources on stuff like that anymore. I hit the player themselves. Like it's just it just doesn't really work out. But in this case, it did come to my attention the Shaq thing. But he's not. Uh, that was nothing. That was nothing. I think you guys got to remember here. These dudes are all young with social media, and they got a lot of stuff going on in their lives. They got family stuff. They got relationship stuff. Man, a lot of relationship stuff. A lot of girls. Uh, you know, we got baby moms and a lot of these. It's not all just for Shaq. I'm just saying in general. So when you see a tweet and it's cryptic, like, yeah, sometimes you'll get the ones where it's like, get me the hell out of here. It was like Eric Bledsoe a long time ago where he said he was like taking a spin class or something. It's like, no, he wasn't. He wanted to get out of there. He wanted to get out of the Phoenix. But yeah, sometimes you do get some of those. Uh, but a lot of the times, trust me, these are like, girl stuff i think shacks was at like four in the morning at a strip club yeah mistaken. like that was probably not he's probably not talking about free agency at four in the morning right probably talking about a chick probably um that would be my guess what else are we talking about at four in the morning right like for the most part um so you got girl stuff you got family stuff which is a big deal with these guys because these guys are coming into a lot of money and you got family and homies back home so they're switching up on them or they're saying they're acting different there's all these things that happen when you be the guy in the hood with money or just the guy in your family with money because it'd be the it'd be the, the uncles and the aunts of the parents that just be getting you so there's a ton of stuff there's stuff with um sometimes it's just lyrics sometimes you can just copy and paste do tweet put it in google and be like oh that's roddy rich you know like you just don't you just never really uh know right it's a lot of that stuff sometimes it's just like something that's completely irrelevant with a business venture or their agent or a marketing thing you just never never know they're just talking about war zone that's another one yeah there's just so many things i've checked into stuff some of these and it's always been something like that it's very rarely been oh no he is actually subtweeting pete carroll that just kind of does not does not happen how many NFC West teams make the playoffs next season? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I would probably say three. I think the Niners are going to be good again. I really do. I have to see what the Arizona defense looks like. Um, and their offense isn't as creative as I thought it would be. I thought it would be a lot better with Cliff Kingsbury. And I'm not even sure why, the more I think about it. Because, like, how would he know to coach an <laughs> NFL offense, right? Like, that's just not, not like that's his bag. Um, so, I think, I think. The Niners, the Seahawks, and the Rams all make it. I think they all make it in 2021. Like, those are all going to be some damn good teams. I think I think all three defenses are going to be good. Uh, and I think all the offenses are going to be good. Uh, and then I just say that, even if they keep Jimmy G, I do think their offense will be solid. Uh, I think their injury luck will be better next year. It was terrible this year. Um, and I think they're going to upgrade a quarterback. And that was from Kong. Appreciate that, man. This one comes from Bridget. Is there a rule limiting how many years into the future picks can be traded? Seems like there should be something to protect the future of franchises from reckless GMs. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's like three or four with your first round picks that you can't just like trade. You can't right now trade your pick from like 2030, right, in exchange for Mahomes <laughs> or something like that. I don't, I don't, I don't believe you can. I guess like three or four or something like that. Um, but I also think that if you have multiple picks in the rounds. I think that's fair game. So let's say you you just happen to have you did a fire sale and you have seven first round picks over the course of three years and you want to trade all of them for Mahomes, um, which that that's bad. But let's say you did that, uh, 
Actually, that's not that bad. But let's say you want to do that. I think you can. I don't think that there might not be a limit on the number itself. The years, though, I think there is. I think it's like three or four. What do you think should be the team's focus for the draft with so few picks? Do they prioritize a running back in case Carson walks? I don't think you should ever go into the draft prioritizing the running back. I think you should have some guys on your board. But running back, here's the thing. It's not that running backs don't matter. I think we've talked about this on the show before. The thing with the running backs is they're probably the, it's the only position where both of these things are true. The minute you call the dude's name on draft day, he is in his prime. And there is legit, legit elite talent in literally every round of the draft at running back. Think about that. You can get an elite talent like Chris Carson in the seventh. You don't even have to draft a running back. You can get a pro bowler like Philip Lindsay. Um, what's the dude from Jacksonville this year? There's like James Robinson or something like that who was a baller. Um, I think Aaron Jones is like a fifth rounder. And you got like Kareem Hunt and Alvin Kamara's. Oh, that's the other guy from Chris Carson's draft class, by the way. It's Kamara. He's in a 2017 class. So there's just elite talent at literally in literally every round these guys are immediately in their prime that is why you don't need to ever prioritize it that's why i would never take a zeke or a saquon or a leonard fournette or a Gurley or a christian mccaffrey i just wouldn't do it because the bang for your buck is to get aaron jones the 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 value is chris carson the value is Lindsay. the value is some of these other guys take even even if you take someone in the second or third like a like a miles sanders or um Kareem Hunts, you know, like getting like Kamara's. There's just these other, I forget what round, is Dalvin Cook first round? I can't remember where Dalvin Cook was taken. But even like Nick Chubb, who was like a second rounder, I think. Hell, I would have settled for like Royce Freeman, whatever. <laughs> there's so many There's so many guys who can be good later in the draft that you never need to prioritize. You just make sure you get, when you take some of those late guys, you pay off. Like look at the Dolphins. They took what both the UW dudes like. The, Savon was like undrafted. Miles Gaskin was like undrafted. sixth round or seventh round. Yes. Yeah, Miles was seven. These are starting dudes who can who can get it done for you if you need them to start. The Seahawks conversely took guys like DJ Dallas and Travis Homer who can't really consistently be like a starter for you, not even for like a few games, right? Because they just they're not built in that way, at least not yet. So, but the thing is about the not yet running backs come into the league ready for the most part. Like I said, they're in their prime the minute Roger Goodell says their name. So, I no, I don't think they would. They should um, prioritize it. The focus should be defense, offensive line. Appreciate you, Ed, on that question. Gareth, he wants to know, how do you rate the tight end options now that Olsen has retired? It didn't seem to be an option that was trusted much this season. I don't think, and I've crunched some numbers on this over time, I really don't think the tight end usage was down. I think relative to recent years, it was about the same. I think the difference was that it was being spread out by so many guys. So like it it wasn't it wasn't noticeable that the tight end's position in general was being used much. So for instance, I think in some years with the Seahawks, one tight end took up the most. You know, a lot of the offensive uh, targets, whether it was like Nick Vanette or Will Disley or Jacob Hollister or Jimmy Graham. Like if you go back, it's usually just one dude, and then like there's a huge drop off. And like percentage of the offensive targets or like target share and things like that. Whereas this year, you look at the the divide of targets and receptions and production, Jacob, Will, and Greg all pretty much had the same year, right? It was pretty close. So because it was spread out, uh, it didn't look like the tight end spot was being used much. I think it, it was being used about as much as it had been in years past. Now, if you think in years past it sucked too, then that's that's one thing. Um, but I don't think they've had great pass-catching tight ends 
you know, for, for multiple years. This was the year they had the most, and those guys all pretty much had about the same level of production. So um, I, I think it'll be used probably about the same amount, to be honest. I don't think, like, Shane's going to come in and be like, let's get our tight ends involved and get them more percentage. Like, yeah, every, he's going to say that, but I doubt the um, the on-field product reflects that. And here's the other thing, too. The OC can only call so much. Russ got to throw it. Yep. How many times this year was the was the design for the tight end and the ball went somewhere else because of the pressure or Russ deciding to go? You just never know or the coverage. So I think like you got to keep that in mind too with like who is doing the emphasizing. Shadi can only call so much. If the ball uh, is in Russ's hands, he ultimately decides who gets it. So I don't think it, that's up to Russ to change that. And be, and because Russ's career has been kind of really consistent on how much he uses tight ends, I don't expect a big jump even with a new OC. Our last question comes from Stefan Lozano. Appreciate the love, man. Why, or excuse me, with the Seahawks in the offseason, what NBA team do you guys watch the most since Seattle doesn't have a team? Is there a particular team that you are a fan of? You want to go further? Am I, am I going uh, first? I can, go ahead, Mike. You got it. Um, I'm a big basketball guy, but I don't root for, I, I just don't, I can't get on board with rooting for a team that's not in my city. I just I just can't bring myself to care enough unless it's like a co- the college that I went to. Um, Go Cougs! Yeah. Uh, oh man, I was talking crazy to. Oh, Husky the timeline was upset. Oh, it was. Oh, it was great. It was great. Um, anyway, so like I'm a big basketball guy, but I like rooting for individual players, especially now in this age where we learn so much about them from magazine articles and social media, and just that we just learn so much about their background from podcasts. It's just great. We know so much about these guys now. So yeah, like I have individual dudes that I like to just root for as dudes, you know, LeBron James being one of them. I think he does a lot of good things. Um, I think I enjoy watching a lot of dudes, mostly guys who get buckets. I just like buckets. Uh, I'm prone to guards. Uh, and I like bigs who can pass. So I love watching like Jokic. I love, I love, I love watching him because he can facilitate. But also I like just the little dudes who get buckets. Uh, James Harden, or not little dudes, but like, Kyrie Irving, Damian Lillard, Steph, super fun to watch. Um, the Jamal Murray in the bubble was like insane. Good God! Uh, so yeah, guys who just get buckets, uh, big forwards. I'm not a huge like wasn't much of a big mellow person. Like KD is fun to watch, but I think there's something maybe because I was short growing up that I like when Kyrie Irving is playing below the rim and is just giving people buckets. That's my that's my bag. For me. It's the Los Angeles Lakers, and the one reason is because LeBron James is on that roster. Wherever LeBron goes, I go for the most <laughs> part, which is, oh, I'm a bandwagon, but I've been watching LeBron since 03 when I first heard about him. As you can imagine, 18-year journey, loving every second of it. But I do have teams I do like to watch. Like right now, we're watching the Brooklyn Nets-Los Angeles Clippers game. Two elite players, or well, multiple elite players on both sides of the ball. Both teams, I'm all for it. You got the Denver Nuggets, a team that I also enjoy watching with Jamal Murray. Jokic, you already mentioned, he just had 47-12. and 12. There's just so much talent. I even try to watch some of the rookies. If anything, LaMelo Ball with the Charlotte Bobcats. I'm not the Bobcats, Charlotte Hornets, that is. I don't watch a lot of them, but when I do get a chance, like if there's not a Laker game on, Clippers game on, there's a lot of ifs in this, I will try to tune in to watch some rookies play. Even watch the Blazers. Every year I try to go down to Portland and watch a game. Wasn't able to do it last year. Buy tickets and everything. Unfortunately, it got canceled because of COVID. Did you get your money back? I did. Oh, okay, good. Man, yeah. I saw fat money coming back. I was like, this is, this is nice. You know, I didn't, I didn't spend it. But, yeah, there's. 
I don't want to get too much into it, but yeah, there's a couple of teams that I will watch, and I did mention a few of them. And we're watching two of them right now. Again, Brooklyn Nets and the Los Angeles Clippers. But yeah, that's that, man. We want to thank you guys out there for all the Twitter questions. We got to all of them, and we thank you guys for tuning in every week and rocking with us. We really appreciate the love and support. You can also leave reviews on Apple Podcasts. Real simple. Just give us, you know, your opinion on how we're doing. We appreciate it. Mike? Uh, man, I hopefully didn't forget any basketball players. There's a lot of guys. I like. Oh, I mean, that, I like watching all the Seattle guys, too. Especially guys who point. are from South Seattle. We got a lot in the league right now, I think, or even just from the, the Seattle Dante area. Murray. We got, yeah, Baby Boy in, in San Antonio. Kevin Porter. Kevin Porter, Kevin Porter Jr., Rockets. yeah, with the Rockets. Uh, Jalen Noel with the Timberwolves. Um, the McDaniels brothers. Hell, are, we got are, Joe. We got uh, Mr. Harris. Joe I'm Harris not, from I'm not Chelan. Uh, but then, I think the McDaniels <laughs> brothers from Federal Way. Um, who else we got in the lead? Uh, Zach Levine. Um, Bothell. Yeah, there's a, there's some. I, I'm I'm probably missing someone. Alonzo Trier. Um, he's not in the league no more. He's oh, a free. Uh, he's not in the league. Mm-mm. Oh damn. But he, um, he's he's in the league. He's just not on a team. Person. Yeah, and then like Matisse Thybul went to what Eastside Catholic. Then um, he went to UW, yep. Yeah, uh, well, forget that part. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like all the guys who are like from here, I feel like we're missing another Seattle Don't guy worry too. about trying to name them all. But we know what you mean. Yeah, all the guys who are from Seattle, specifically South Seattle, even if I don't know them personally, and then a lot of these guys are so young that I don't. But I'm always rooting for those guys to succeed and do well and get the bag and then just pay it forward to the next group of guys that we got uh, coming into the league. Because we got talent, man. I'll put our talent up there from Seattle with a a lot of these other cities. Man, Chicago, what's good? Oh, man, Chicago, te- uh, you know, Dallas, Houston, L.A. Cali. Yeah. Yep, there it is. Yeah, no, you can't just say all of Cali. They got to separate it out. Yeah, cause we, it's too big. We don't want to give them, we don't want to give them brothers from Oakland and like Sacramento and L.A. It's no, a they, good squad. Yeah, no, we got to, you know, we got to space that a little bit. But yeah, no, I'm always rooting for all the Seattle guys. Please get Jamal Crawford back in the league. Yeah. Well, there it is. Been another episode of Seahawks Man to Man. You guys know what to do. Rate, review the podcast on Apple podcast. I always forget where that's at. But yeah, thank you guys again, and we will catch you guys next week. Anything you want to add, Mike? Uh Oh, Super Bowl pick. Yeah, Super Bowl pick? Man, I real lost, quick, real quick. lost $400 on going against Brady, so I'm, I'm taking the bucks. Jesus Christ. Yeah. 400 Uh Give me a score. 38. 33. 38, 33. Damn. I'll take 30 to 24. Give me the Chiefs. Give me the Chiefs. All right. That we can end the show on. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for all the questions. Paul, can't believe you want to trade back. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.